Hey there, it's Lauren Hooker, and this is the podcast version of my weekly LChat live stream. The video version of this episode has some really useful visuals, a comment section to interact with other viewers, and even a short Q&A at the end. So if you want to check that out, head on over to ellencompanydesign.com slash LChat, where you'll find this and lots of other episodes. Thanks so much for tuning in. there and welcome to LChat, a weekly power hour of practical tips and strategies to help you start and scale your creative business. I'm your host, Lauren Hooker, and in today's episode, we're talking about starting a business from scratch. I don't know about you, but when I started Ellen Company, I was both excited and completely overwhelmed by all the tasks that needed to get done, many of which I had never done before branding, marketing, gaining clients, pricing my services, figuring out my services. I longed for a step-by-step list of all that needed to be done and in what order. Now, three and a half years later, I've created that list and prioritized which tasks to do first, second, and so on. And I'm sharing it with you in today's episode. So whether you're dreaming of starting your business, just getting started, or you've been in the game for years, I can promise that you'll benefit from this week's cell chat. Let's dive in. And now to dive into the very first topic um, of this season of LChat. Um, I thought it would be really fun to talk about um, if you're starting your business from scratch, if, if these LChats are about starting and scaling your business, where do you start? I know when I started Ellen Company, um, I was freelancing and just kind of dove into starting a business. And I started out with a lot of motivation. Um, I was very excited. And then I quickly realized how many tasks needed to be done and how many tasks I had never done before, were not familiar with, um, had no guidance on, and I was very overwhelmed. And I longed for a list of what steps to do and when to do them. Um, Instead, I learned a lot through trial and error And so three and a half years later, I sat down and I created a list for you all. What should you focus on first, second, third, eighth um, in your business? What's the most important and what can wait until later? Um, So if I were going back and starting Ellen Company from scratch, this would be my game plan. Um, So number one, we'll just dive right into these slides. Let me flip over. The first thing I would do would be to create a preliminary business plan. Um, Like I said, when I started Ellen Company, I just stumbled into freelancing. I took on any any client, any project that I could get my hands on from wedding invitations to um, branding projects and everything in between. And I just conquered tasks as they came up. I never really had um, a plan. So if I were to go back and do it over, I would create a preliminary business plan. I wouldn't do an in-depth business plan, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but I would include things like a mission statement, just a brief mission statement. What am I here to do? What's the underlying purpose of why I'm doing design or photography or interior design or whatever it might be? Um, Why am I doing it? I'd also try to think through an ideal client or customer profile. Who am I trying to reach? Because everything that you do from here on out will kind of build upon that, the type of people you're trying to reach. Um, Outline your short and long-term goals. What do you want to accomplish um, in five weeks, five months, five years? 
um, what what do you want to do? And you can get really creative there. I've found that if I don't have a goal that I'm working toward, like this past spring, I felt like I was just in a rhythm of doing the same thing over and over again. I lost excitement about my business. So feel free to dream big. It can be a huge a huge goal. Um, but I found that that gives me momentum and kind of reminds me of my why. Why am I going through all this trouble of starting a business if I don't have any goals for it? So yours might be to take your business full time. Yours might be to open up a storefront someday, um, bring on a team, but go ahead and start dreaming and think about what those goals are before you do anything else. Um, and then maybe send some set some benchmarks for those goals. Sometimes our goals can be so broad that it's hard to break them down into action steps or know how to take action on them. Um, so sit back and think what needs to happen in order to make those goals work and just try to set some benchmarks for yourself. Um, I say to create a preliminary um, business plan because um, I found that people, there's two hangups with doing a full-fledged business plan where you think through every single thing that needs to be done, all of your marketing strategies and all of that. Um, Hangup number one is that your business changes the most in the first few months. I always call the first six months to really the first year of business the experimental phase. Um, because you should be taking on different kinds of projects and just figuring out what you want to do. I found that at first I thought I wanted to do wedding invitations. And then as I started to design wedding invitations, I realized this is a lot of work for not so much money. I love the design portion, but I really don't like um, the product portion, printing and all of that. Um, and I didn't feel like I could make a solid income from doing just that at the time. So I needed that experimental phase to figure that out. If I had mapped out a whole business plan around designing wedding invitations, I would have spent so much time on something that uh, I didn't stick with later. So be open-minded during that experimental phase. Take on some different kinds of projects. See what your clients are interested in, what you enjoy doing, and what's going to bring in a realistic income for you. Um, and like I said, if you do that full-fledged business plan, it might become irrelevant three months down the road when you realize that you need to shift things around based on your experience. Um, so don't be afraid to experiment a little in those first months of business. Hang-up number two is that you can get so caught up in the details of your business plan and the whole planning part that you never begin. And I have seen this time and time again with coaching clients and people who reach out to me for business advice, blog readers, is that they get so hung up on planning, which planning can be a very good thing, and that's why I'm telling you to create a preliminary business plan. But don't get so caught up in it that you're afraid to start. Um, you are always going to be working on and tweaking your business. That's just the nature of it. So don't get so caught up on planning that you don't start. Um, if you want everything to be perfect and perfectly planned out, you will never begin. So hold your plans loosely. So come up with that preliminary business plan just to give you direction. The second step, um, and you might be a little surprised by this, is to set up a simple Squarespace site. Um, you need to think of your website as your business's online home base. It's where all the action happens. Um, and for a lot of you, your online presence is huge, especially if you want to work with clients all over the globe, if you're not necessarily location-based. Even if you are, your website is crucial um, nowadays. So it's where all the important action takes place. It's where people learn about you. 
It's where people check out your services. It's where they view your portfolio, purchase your products, read your blog. All of the important action takes place on your website. So it's really important that you get your website up sooner rather than later. Um, this is another huge step that people get so caught up on. They want to make sure all the details of their website are perfect before they launch it. And like I said, it is never going to be perfect. It's good to put the the thought and the effort into it. You don't want to just slap things together, but you do want to make sure um, that you're not getting so caught up that you don't launch it because your website is crucial for starting to get clients in the door. Um, and that's why I recommend Squarespace over other sites like WordPress. Um, Squarespace is really easy to get up and running. The back end is really user friendly. There isn't a huge learning curve. Um, they have beautiful templates, so you can still create that killer first impression with potential clients and customers. Um, like I said, quick setup and customization, it's all inclusive. So if you don't have a domain yet and you don't have um, a specific email address for your business, all of that is included right in Squarespace. So you don't have to spend time piecing all of that together because let's be honest, when you're first starting your business, time is money um, and you don't have much time at all if you're running your business on the side. Another thing about Squarespace is just consistency. Um, you choose a couple different typefaces, a couple different colors. You don't have to go all out and brand your Squarespace site at first. Just make sure it's consistent, it looks presentable, and get it up and running. Um, it may surprise you that as a brand designer, I didn't put branding ahead of starting a website. Actually, um, branding is going to be far down on this list, and I'll explain why later. But... Um, I want to make sure that you're getting your website. If I could go back and do it all over, I wouldn't obsess about those branding details. I would rather get my website up and running so I can start driving traffic um, and building trust and engagement with potential clients and customers and get people in the door. Um, so number one was to create a preliminary business plan. Number two is to create a simple Squarespace site, or if you are a web designer, WordPress site. Go ahead and get that up and running as well. Just make sure that you don't get so hung up on the design details and the inner workings of your website that you just don't get it up. Because like I said, you can go back and make tweaks to it later. You're always going to be making tweaks to your website. Number three is to start blogging. Um, when people ask me how I was able to grow my business, oops, so quickly, um, they're always really surprised to hear that blogging was a crucial component to growth for me um, for many different reasons. And I highly recommend it to everyone else out there because um, our natural tendency, and I was guilty of this when I first started, is to come up with an offering first. So you might have an idea for, um, for a product or a service, and then you try to come up with an audience. You try to find people who would be interested in your products or services. But the more strategic approach is to find an audience first and then come up with offerings. Um, it, it seems counterintuitive, but it makes more sense when you think about it because the hardest part of business is finding that audience. And when you have an audience, you're able to get to know them and see what their needs are. Um, so, for example, I never intended to 
start a course on Adobe Illustrator. But after getting to um, get, getting to know my blog readers and seeing that a lot of them had questions about how do I create my graphics? Um, how do you create a brand from scratch? I saw a need there. And so the more I got to know my audience that was already there, the more I could see their needs and, um, and then create services and products geared toward them. Um, some of the benefits of this is that sharing this consistent, helpful content through blogging or also, it doesn't have to be just written content. It can be videos. You can start a YouTube channel and share um, those videos on your blog. It could be things like this webinar. Um, host weekly webinars and share the replays on your blog. That's great content. It could be a podcast. If you don't feel comfortable with your writing, that's okay. Just make sure that you're pumping out content that's consistent and helpful in order to build your audience. Because when you do this, it builds trust. It'll drive more website traffic through shares. It gives you stuff to share on social media. It expands your reach when other people share links to your website and to your blog. And it ultimately will bring in more clients and customers. It increases SEO. Um, it positions you as an expert when you're talking about the ins and outs of what you do and why you do it. Um, I've written a lot of blog posts about this recently. Yes, I blog about blogging, um, but I just can't reiterate how important blogging is for building an audience. And really, when it comes down to it, it's important to build that audience before you even brand yourself, before you really dive into your offerings. You will make it so much easier on yourself if you already have an audience there to sell to. Um, and they will end up telling you what they want. They will end up um, telling you exactly um, what they want to see from you. And I'll explain how to get that information from them in a second. So fight that natural tendency to want to come up with an idea and then find people. And instead, go th for the more beneficial strategy of finding people through blogging, um, YouTube videos, webinars, podcasts, and then come up with an idea or an offering that those that that new audience will be interested in. Um, so number three, start blogging. I promise you it's going to be hard in the first few months just to get in a rhythm and get in a routine of blogging and sharing consistent, helpful content. And it might take a good three to six months to gain traction. But once you do, oh my goodness, I cannot, um, I cannot tell you enough just how helpful it will be. I, if I had not been blogging, you would not be sitting here listening to this right now. <laughs> um, Ellen Company would not be in existence, so don't pass it over. I, give it a try. Um, number four is to choose one to three social media platforms and then create a schedule and a strategy for each one. So a moment ago, I talked about how blogging or how your website rather is your home base. It's where all of the important action takes place. Um, and so you should be viewing social media and even your mailing list as a funnel. 
Everything should be pointing back to your online home base. Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, even Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, all of it should be pointing back and funneling people back to your website where all of that important action takes place. I think it's really important to view social media this way because a lot of times we view it as an end-all, be-all. Um, we focus on growing our following and put a lot of emphasis almost becomes like a popularity contest but if you aren't using your following if you're not growing your following in order to drive people back to your website and ultimately make a sale um, then social media isn't going to be as effective for you so uh, that's why I even place blogging above a social media strategy because your blog is right there on your website when you share blog posts you're automatically driving people right back to your website. They can easily click over to your services, to your shop, um, and, and make a purchase or make a sale. But with social media, there's always an intermediary step. They have to click a link and come back to your website. Um, or they might just see your posts and never come back to your website. So I'm always hesitant to put too much emphasis on social media. Just keep in mind that it is not the end-all be-all, but it is great free marketing. Um, I also think it's really easy to get overwhelmed by all of the social media platforms out there. You can see six right here, um, and I haven't even list them all, listed them all with Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook. But the good news is that you don't have to be on every single platform. You just need to be on the platforms where your potential clients and customers hang out. Um, and you don't just have to guess at which platforms your potential clients and customers hang out on. You can actually do some great research on it. Um, you can look at demographics. There are a lot of studies online that show who is on each platform, what the demographics are. Pinterest, a lot of a lot more women than men, and it'll have a breakdown of all the ages as well. Twitter, who's on Twitter? Um, it's helpful to look that up. Actually, that might be a good blog post to share on the own company site soon. Um, if I do, I'll keep you posted. But look at the demographics. Don't just guess at um, who is on which platform. Ask people that fall in your ideal customer or ideal client range. Ask them what um, websites they spend their time on and what social media platforms they spend their time on. And then look at other peers in the industry who seem to be doing well. What social media platforms do they focus on the most? For most of us, honestly, um, because we're in a creative field, there are there's going to be more focus on the visual platforms like Instagram and Pinterest. But you might be surprised. So don't just take a guess. Do some research and then choose one to three social media platforms that you can be um, present on consistently, that you can commit to actively participating in each week. Um, and then brainstorm helpful content ideas. Don't just post haphazardly or post what you see everyone else posting. Have a strategy to why you post what you post. Remember that you're using it as a funnel back to your website, that you're always hoping to get new clients. That doesn't mean that you are inauthentic, but it does mean that you should think through um, how you share behind the scenes posts or just always thinking, why am I sharing what I'm sharing? How is this valuable to the people who are following along with me? Why should they care um, is the best question to ask. So, 
um, choose those one to three social media platforms, come up with content for each one, and create a posting schedule. Consider how often you're going to post to each platform reasonably. If you're doing this on the side, if your business is um, after your regular nine to five job, you're pouring time and effort into it, then you might just want to choose one or maybe two and post, you know, a couple times each week if it's going to be something like Instagram. Um, you might want to set aside time to either schedule your posts or um, brainstorm content and then have it, you know, check in every once in a while and post. I always recommend using a tool like Buffer or Meet Edgar, CoSchedule, um, and just go ahead and fill up a content queue. Go ahead and set how many times you want to post each day or each week. And um, just once a week, go ahead and fill up that queue full of helpful content. Links to your blog posts, links to other people's blog posts, helpful videos, behind the scenes. Um, but make sure that you're actively present on those social media platforms. So come up with a schedule, come up with content, and then um, schedule it out using Buffer. Meet Edgar is another awesome tool, and I have blog posts on both of those, Buffer and Meet Edgar. So I'll add those in the show notes. Uh, that'll come out next week. All right, so number four was to choose one to three social media platforms. So just to run through the list really quickly, the first step was to build a preliminary business plan. The second was to set up a simple Squarespace site. The third was to start blogging. And number four was to choose one to three social media platforms. Number five is to determine your offerings. You may already have some offerings that you started out with, um, some products or some services that you have had since the very beginning, but it's always good at this point to go back, tweak them, refine them, get rid of them altogether, add on to them once you get to know your audience through blogging and through social media. Um, I always recommend, well, here are a few helpful pointers. Um, once you have this audience and you're interacting with them through blog posts and social media, um, pay attention to FAQs and top posts when you're considering your offerings. Think about the people, the thing that people ask you about the most often and what they want to see from you as you're thinking through your offerings. Ask them for feedback. Um, ask them what they do want to see from you. Sometimes the best thing to do is just to ask. We take so many guesses in business and try to figure out what people want instead of just asking them. Another thing that's helpful to do is if you have a new offering idea but you don't know if it'll stick or not, validate it. Take a random um, selection from your audience, especially if you have a mailing list. Um, take a, a group of those people and just ask them about this new idea that you have for an offering. Would they buy it? How could you make it better? Um, I also have a post on that that I can add in my show notes as well, how I validated my Freelance Academy course launch. But I did it through asking people who had followed along with Ellen Company for a while what their thoughts were on it to see if there really was a need for it. So another benefit of building your audience first and then launching a product or service. And I always recommend as well considering services before products. 
books. And the reason is you don't need as many people following along with you. You don't need as big of an audience to um, have people book your services. Really, if you are trying to book 20 clients a year, then your audience doesn't have to be huge in order for that to happen. But products, if you want to make a living from having a shop or um, an online shop for that matter, you need a bigger audience in order to make that work, especially if it's something like passive income, like courses or digital products. The bigger your audience, the easier it's going to be for you to launch a product. Um, so I always recommend services before products. Um, so just a few helpful pointers for that. Once you've built your audience and have interacted with them and have gotten to know them better, then think through your offerings um, and figure out what might work best for your audience. You might be really surprised what people ask for, um, and it might be really profitable for you. It'll probably be very profitable for you if you've worked on building your audience first. Number six is to refine your processes. Your processes, whether it's how you onboard your clients, how you map out your content schedule, whatever it is, they can make your business run so much more quickly and help you to maximize your time. Um, like I said, time is a limited, valuable resource when you are running a creative business and there isn't enough hours in the day to keep everything running and keep your head above water. But if you have processes in place, you will maximize your time and be able to get a lot more done and work more efficiently. You can refine your processes through delegating. If you have the resources to be able to delegate tasks um, like hiring a bookkeeper, an attorney, a graphic designer, an assistant, um, if you can bring them on as soon as possible, I recommend it. Um, that's something that I wish that I had done sooner instead of waiting until I was in panic mode to be able to outsource some of those tasks. But for a lot of us, that's not always an option. Automating is another great way to refine your process. Um, automating social media through tools like Buffer and Meet Edgar that I talked about a moment ago. Um, setting up Google Drive and coming up with a way that it works well for you. I use Google Drive in mapping out L chats. I use it for blog posts. I use it um, for newsletters every week. And then I also use it for clients. I have a shared folder for each client. It's just part of my process. And I've created master copies so that for blog posts, all I have to do is create a copy of that master copy and it has all the information that I need for the blog post. Um, the URL for the blog post, a space for me to outline it um, when it goes live, all of those important details. So if you can just create a system for that, it'll help you work much more quickly. I also have a post on Google Drive and setting that up too. So I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes. I walk you through exactly how I go about it. And I also have a post with Google Drive templates to make your um, processes run much smoother. And also, if you have um, a tool like Asana, or even now a lot of people are using Dubsado, um, that is a fantastic way to make things run more efficiently, to automate your business, to keep up with tasks. If you have a team to keep everyone all on one page, um, come up with those systems. It may take you some time to learn um, some of these some of these platforms like Asana, but the more and more you use it, um, the better you'll become and the more efficient you'll become, and then you won't be able to work without it. So um, 
be sure you're thinking through how you might be able to automate your business and then evaluate. So delegate, automate, evaluate. What are the essentials in your business and what are you doing that's just busy work? Um, what need absolutely has to get done and what are you putting time into that really isn't an essential? Um, if you go back through and evaluate all of your business tasks, you might be able to find some that you're able to get rid of, um, some that you don't need processes for because you really shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Um, so I found, I found it helpful even like every quarter in my business to go back through my processes and think, what could I do better? What can I delegate? What can I automate? And what can I just get rid of and get off of my plate altogether? Um, so number six, refine your processes. Um, see how you can do things better. Number seven is to revisit that business plan. So now that you've worked on um, building your audience, refining your processes, you have your offerings down, now go back and do a more in-depth business plan. Dive into some of the specifics here. Um, consider including in this business plan your mission statement. Um, you may need to tweak it and refine it since you started. Maybe after working with clients and with customers, um, you realize a whole new angle to your business that you didn't realize before. So, for example, when I first started Ellen Company, it was purely design. I wasn't doing any coaching. I really wasn't doing any teaching or any webinars like this. Um, it was purely design. And now, three and a half years later, my business looks very different. I still do design, but a lot of what I do is teaching and coaching and courses. So my mission statement now looks different than it did before. Um, so go back and reevaluate that mission statement and put more um, time and thought into it. Consider your long-term goals again and even your short-term goals and revisit those benchmarks and flesh them out in more detail. Ideal client, customer persona. Now you should have a really good idea of who your ideal client or your ideal customer is because you've been creating that following. You've probably been working with clients and customers and you have an idea of who you want to work with and who you may not want to work with. And that's okay. Sometimes learning who you don't want to work with is even more important than learning who you do want to work with. Um, and a lot of times this comes through trial and error. You can try to guess at the outset, but um, this part of the business plan will be so much more on point when you visit it the second go-round, when it's more of your full-fledged plan instead of that preliminary business plan. Um, you might want to outline your marketing strategies in here. Which one's stuck? Um, what are your plans for marketing in the future? What are your offerings? You should have determined those already by this point um, and what's stuck, what is profitable, what you enjoy doing, what your clients um, and customers want to see from you. Outline that there. And then your processes, which we just talked about a second ago. What are the key processes for your business? And actually... Um, months ago, I created something called the Business Playbook to help you outline um, your business plan, how you build your business from the ground up. Um, so I'll, I'll add a link to that. It's a free resource on the Ellen Company site. It's on my homepage if you want to go there, enter your email address, and I'll send it right to you, or I'll add it in the show notes as well so that you can have that there. Um, I know that writing a business plan can be a little bit overwhelming and you don't know exactly what you should include on it. Um, so that's why I created the business playbook. 
Um, number eight, and the last one on this list, and the one you might be the most surprised to see um, at the bottom of the list, is to streamline your brand. And the reason I put this at the very end of these steps as a brand designer um, is because it is so much easier to brand a business once they have experience under their belt. It is so hard to brand a business for a client and for yourself when you have no idea what people you're trying to reach or you think you have an idea, but then it quickly changes. Um, I prefer to work with people who have been doing um, what they're doing for a while because we're able to really zero in on who their ideal client is. Who are we trying to reach? Um, what's the mission statement? All of that is going to be so much more accurate if you have experience under your belt. I'm all about making a great first impression from the get-go. I don't think design should be overlooked completely, but I think that a lot of people can get so wrapped up in the design details that it keeps them from ever getting started. Um, so I put streamlining your brand at the very end. Um, you might at this point want to invest in a graphic designer who can take this off your plate um, and do it for you. This might be a task that you can delegate or you can walk through those steps on your own. Um, I also have another free resource and I did this at the beginning of this past, yeah, 2017. I did this back in, um, back in the winter. I think it was February, I did a one-month brand challenge, and I showed you how to create your brand from start to finish. All the steps that I do in my design process with my clients, I included in that brand challenge. So if you find yourself um, designing your own brand, or you just want to freshen up um, your current brand on your own, or you're a graphic designer and you're just curious about, um, about my process and what I recommend, this brand challenge is an, another fantastic resource. I compiled it all together so that you can walk through it at your own pace, but it's kind of just um, a step-by-step -step of how to brand your business. But I would do it at the very end of all of these steps. And again, I wouldn't have told you that um, a couple years ago, but after a lot of experience, I think saving your brand until last will leave you with a more accurate brand um, and one that really hones in on your ideal clients and customers. And um, yeah, it'll, it'll pay off in the long run. So just to run through that list one more time, especially for those of you who might be tuning in and listening, listening to this audio on the podcast later, um, number one is to create a preliminary business plan. Um, don't go into all the details just yet, but you do need to set goals and have a sense of direction. Number two, come up with that simple Squarespace site, create your online home base and start driving traffic there through number three, which is blogging. Um, draw in potential clients before you ever come up with an offering. Just start growing that audience. Um, number four is to choose one to three social media platforms. Find out where your potential clients and customers are hanging out on social media and choose those platforms. Create a schedule and a strategy for each one. Remember that social media should be used as a funnel too, back to your online home base, your website. Determine your offerings after you build your following. Um, you can either tweak, refine, eliminate, or add to your current offerings, but re revisit that. Ask your audience what they want to see from you. Number six, refine your processes. Consider how you can maximize your time and work more efficiently through your processes. 
Number seven, revisit your business plan. Do a full-fledged business plan. And number eight, streamline your brand. Then you can focus on branding. So I hope that is helpful for y'all as you um, approach the first um, stages of your business. This is exactly what I would do if I could go back and do it over. Although as a designer, I would um, find it really hard to save the branding until last. But it really is um, it really is one of the best things you can do. All right, so I'm going to move on. I see we have some questions down below, and I'm going to spend some time answering these questions. So if you have any questions, if you came up with any throughout the live stream, feel free to drop a question in there, and I'll spend some time answering these. These are often my favorite part of LChat. All right, Kristen asks, I'm curious about your opinion on when to publish a blog. Is there a recommended amount of content to add before making it public? I've completed the formatting, added in one blog post and a few other supporting elements. I'm just not sure it's ready. So Kristen, this is a common question that I'm often asked. Some people um, try to get their blog just right before they publish it. Um, they want to have a certain number of posts ready. And I would say, go ahead and publish it. Um, a lot of people can get so wrapped up in the details and want to perfect things that they never get up and running. I say get it up and running. The truth is, is that um, when you start your blog, you might have a little bit of traction through sharing about it on social media and the following that you might already have. But that blog post, the more and more you blog, is going to be quickly buried underneath new content, which can be a little... Um, depressing if you think about it, but it's actually a good thing. I hope, and don't any of you get any ideas, but I hope that people don't go back and look at some of my very first posts on the Ellen Company blog. Um, it's more important that you just get in a consistent routine of sharing new content, um, new, helpful, detailed content. I think that's the most important step. So, um, Take the leap, publish your blog. You don't need to have a certain amount of blog posts at the ready. Um, just go ahead and dive in. Come up with a schedule, um, a goal for how often you want to post. The more often, the better, but be reasonable. A lot of people start out with a lot of steam and then can't keep up with blogging every weekday or a couple times a week. Um, try to do once a week if you can, and then add on as you go. Also, you don't have to do an introductory post about what you um, are planning on sharing, what the goal of the blog is, or any of that, your about page will tell people about your business. So let your about page um, give people background information and just dive in with content. Um, you don't need an introductory blog post, although I was guilty of that at the beginning. But I say just dive in. Great question. Jessica asks, I work full-time and freelance on the side. What do you think is the best way to book in time with clients? Currently, I give them hours of the day, which I allow for freelance projects after work, 6 to 10 p.m., but obviously that doesn't always fit in a client's work day. So do you think there is a better way to do this without putting potential clients off? This is a great question. This is something that um, a lot of people struggle with when they have a 9-to-5 job and they're doing their business after hours and on the weekends. Um, a lot of times when I was in your same shoes and I was working a full-time job and working on freelance stuff at night or on the weekend, I would either schedule, um, see if their schedule is available at night. If not, I would try to talk to them on my, um, lunch break at work. Um, a, a helpful tool that I use that might be really helpful for you as well 
is calendly.com. I'll add that in the show notes as well. And Calendly is a fantastic tool for scheduling because it allows you to put in um, what days you're available in the week and what your schedule is. And then instead of going back and forth and trying to figure out what time would be best for both parties, you and your client, um, they can just see your schedule, choose a time that works for them, and it'll add it to both um, like I use Google Calendar, but I think iCal works for it too. It'll go ahead and put it in my calendar, put it in my client's calendar, and it books the time. Um, so for those of you who have very limited hours that you can meet with clients, Calendly could be an awesome scheduling tool. Um, so I say at night, your clients will probably be happy to do that as well. Um, even if it is outside of work hours, they'll probably be willing to work with you if they know that you're freelancing. Um, but try to use your lunch breaks if you can as well. If any of you who are um, freelancing on the side and working full-time have a great um, solution to this that I didn't mention, feel free to leave it in the comments um, for Jessica as well. Lindsay says, what do you do while you don't have a portfolio? Self-directed projects, free work, other? Um, what I always tell my freelance academy course students, um, especially when it comes to the portfolio, is that if you're offering services that you don't have any experience with, so say you um, are offering a full client brand and website, but you haven't done that complete package before, I recommend coming up with some fictitious projects to put in your portfolio that fit that um, package. So you can create like a client brief and come up with a client. Maybe you want to book more um, more clients who have restaurants so you can do menus and that kind of stuff, which I think would be awesome. Um, create a, um, a fictitious project around a restaurant. And then in a blog post, walk through the process from start to finish. You can say it's a fictitious project. It's still showcasing your work. Um, I've seen a lot of designers do this, and it showcases their work. It actually shows that they're thinking through the design, even if it is fictitious. Um, I also think, if I'm remembering correctly, there are some websites that come up with fictitious um, client briefs. If any of you have heard of this, I'd love for you to put it in the comment section. Um, but you can grab one from there as well. Or you might um, choose to give a potential client or maybe a friend in the industry um, a discount in order to do the work for them and put it in your portfolio as well. Um, so fictitious projects are great. Um, if you can do a project for a friend and showcase that work in your portfolio too, um, Brief box. Thank you, Jessica. That is the name of one that has um, creative briefs that you can just pull from. Awesome. And she put the link in there, too. I appreciate it. Sam agrees. Okay. So, um, yeah, fictitious projects are totally fine. I would, I would totally do that myself. And then as you bring on new clients, share the work like crazy. Share behind the scenes on social media. Um, do a blog post outlining the process from start to finish and link to it from your portfolio page on your website. Um, give people behind the scenes. You don't need 10 projects in your portfolio when you launch. You could launch with two or three and that would be totally fine, but add to it um, and get people involved in the process. These are great questions. Elena says, how do you come up with content for blogging when it feels like everyone is doing and writing about the same things? It can feel like an echo chamber sometimes, can it? Um, 
and I, I can totally relate to this. The thing is, is that a lot of your clients, depending on who you're, who you're trying to reach, aren't following along with all the other designers or all the other interior designers or all of the other photographers um, that you are following along with. Sometimes we can get so consumed with our industry and the people that we're following along with that we think everyone else is following along with them too. And that's just not true. Um, you have a lot of experience that's distinct to you um, that you can blog about and share about. You have talents that are distinct to you. So when you're sharing portfolio posts and your creative work, um, nobody else has the exact same work or the exact same style that you do. No one else has the exact same perspective. And oftentimes, if you feel... Um, if you feel overwhelmed by the amount of content out there and the things that you want to blog about are things that other people have been blogging about, stop reading those blogs. Um, it took it took me stepping away from other blogs and not reading other blog blogs that I was tempted to mimic for me to finally gain traction and find my own voice um, in this industry. So don't let the other content out there keep you from blogging. Use it as a challenge to get creative with it and put your own spin on it. Um, step away from the other blog posts. Don't, if you're writing about a certain topic, don't get on Pinterest and see what other people wrote about in their blog posts. Um, step away and, and um, put your own spin on it right from your perspective. It'll really, really help um, your content in the long run. Um, so I hope that's helpful for you, Elena. Jay says, I'm curious about setting up a membership and courses site on Squarespace and reading your stuff because it seems like you've moved vendors a few times, Memberspace, Teachable. I wonder where you are now and who you use now. I might need to do an L chat on this soon because I did switch from Memberspace member to Teachable. Um, I'll have to talk about that in, in another L chat. Um, but yes, I am using Teachable now. Um, I wish that I could host everything in Squarespace and make it all look consistent with my website. But um, there's a lot of finagling that has to happen in order for that to work. Um, Teachable at the moment allows me to keep everything all in one place um, and not have to piece things together. I'll write a blog post about that soon or do another L chat on that soon, Jay. Great question. Kaylee says, I have a question about securing a domain name. I finally figured out a business name I love, but the domain is already owned by a squatter. Do you have any tips on how I should approach this? I've never bought a domain before, so this is all new to me. I can relate to this one, too, because I have the URL ellencompanydesign.com, which, looking back, is like one of the longest domain names ever. But it was because Ellen Company was taken, and so was landco.com. Um, if you can shorten your name in a way that makes sense, do it. Um, a lot of times, I've even thought about doing L and dot co. Um, get creative with it. Um, if it is owned by a squatter and they're selling it, see what the price is to buy it. Um, it might be a little steep, though. A, a word of wisdom is to not... Um, look up the domain name over and over that you want to use. Somehow they know and people pick up on it and buy it. So if you have one in mind, check for it once and then purchase it right away if it's available. Um, but I would recommend getting creative with it, trying to switch it around. Maybe I had to add design to the end of mine. Um, so yeah, um, if any of you have helpful tips and advice on this topic, feel free to share it in the comment section or even comment on this question in Crowdcast. 
Um, Alyssa says, when you create a website for a client as part of a branding package, do you use Squarespace for that client? Yes. Um, that's included in my design package is a complete Squarespace website. And I have a lot of posts on Squarespace and even how um, I use Squarespace for my clients, my whole Squarespace design package. Um, so yes, I love Squarespace and I highly recommend it. Laura said, how long did it take you until you started noticing a consistent flow of clients? So this is where blogging really comes in handy, and I'm going to go back to it again. Um, I was blogging for about four or five months consistently sharing helpful content every weekday. Um, and I started doing that probably in about probably August or September of 2014. Um, by the end of the year, I wanted to book out my client calendar. So I sat down and, and figured out, I only want to work with one client at a time for two weeks. How many two-week blocks can I set out in my um, calendar? And I wanted to book out all of those two-week time slots. By February, I had completely booked out my client calendar um, because of blogging and bringing in people, bringing in traffic to the website, sharing my portfolio through the blog. So it probably took me about six months of doing it consistently. But once I started booking, I, I booked super quick and was then able to start a waiting list. Um, so it, yeah, that's September to February. So how many months is that? I think about six months, five or six months. But you have to be diligent, and you have to just stick to it even when it's hard and you don't see any traction at first, knowing that it will pay off in the long run. Laurel says, what do you use for visuals while you're waiting to streamline your brand? Just pick a good basic typeface, simple color palette, et cetera, and then change it later. What about blog post graphics and social media? Yes, so consistency is key. Even um, when you're developing a complete brand and you um, maybe invest in it later, consistency is key. Um, come up with a color palette that you stick to and color values that you stick to. Come up with consistent, um, consistent typefaces and just use them over and over again. Um, if you want to invest in something like Adobe Illustrator, that's easy to create just basic graphics. And you can also use Canva and just use the same templates for blog posts over and over. Um, just be consistent um, with your logo. You can choose a simple typeface for your logo and just leave it at that until you can invest in more later. Actually, simple is better than going over the top and doing too much. So, um, but yes, consistency is key. Choose a typeface or two. Um, choose, you know, three, max five colors for your brand just to create consistency and recognition. Um, and then invest in branding later on. Um, great question, Laurel. Allison says, what is an example of a benchmark? Okay, so I will share. So one of my goals um, for this quarter has been to launch Freelance Academy. And um, I want to have over, I think what I set was 150 students this round since I only launch it once a year. Last year, I was able to bring on 100 students for the first launch of it, and I was really excited about it. This year, I want to challenge myself a little bit more and get this resource in front of more people. So um, my goal is 150 students. Well, if I think of that goal and all, that can be a little overwhelming, so I need to set benchmarks to get there. So one of, um, one of my smaller goals from that, one of those benchmarks was to create an affiliate program. If 
I have other people who are helping me promote the course, um, I can reach a bigger audience and hopefully bring in more students for the course. Um, another benchmark was to come up with a social media strategy um, and a, a strategy for my mailing list. So to come up with content for that. Um, and I was able to break that down more. I was able to break down the affiliate program even more. So I start with a big picture and then I break it down into smaller benchmarks um, to get there. So um, I hope that's helpful for you, Allison. If your goal is to um, take your business full time, set a, set a goal for that. So I want to take my business full time in six months. Well, a benchmark might be book out my client calendar until this point so I know I can go full time. Um, so just think smaller picture after that big goal and set those benchmarks. All right, and last question. Oh, two more questions. Um, Ashley says, how do you transition from giving free advice to people who email you to offering coaching services? This is also another question that I get fairly often is, um, but if you're sharing everything for free, what incentive do people have to hire you? And I've found that the more I share and the more transparent I am, the more people want to, to work with me because um, they know that I am transparent and trying to help them. I can give away tons of advice, um, but people have the most trouble implementing it. People want me to hold their hand and walk them through it and tailor the advice to their business. It's hard just to read a post and then tailor it to your own business and figure out how to implement it. Um, so that transition though, um, give, 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 give. <laughs> and then once people start asking you for a lot of advice, so for example, um, I give away a lot of information through things like this L chat, through um, the newsletter, through the blog. But when people start emailing me and asking me for in-depth advice, having coaching services is a great thing to point them to. So if you find that a lot of people are reaching out to you for free advice, in-depth advice, it's not just an easy question to answer, um, have those coaching services there to be able to point them to it. I was able to launch my coaching program um, very inconspicuously because I just got it up and running so I would have something to point people to if they um, wanted to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. I hope that answers your question, Ashley. Awesome. Okay. And Carrie asks, for an online business, is an email list a must-have, even if you have a blog, social media following, website, etc.? Yes. And actually, in hindsight, I would probably lump this in with the blogging step number three. Um, a blog and a mailing list work really well together. And honestly, I didn't put as much emphasis on the mailing list in this list because it's always easier to grow a mailing list if you have website traffic. Um, if people are coming to your website and there's content upgrades or opt-ins for them to get a freebie or follow along with your newsletter or whatever it might be, um, then they'll naturally sign up. So if you already have tons of traffic coming to your website, it's going to be so much easier to grow your list. Um, and growing a list is, is super helpful. I used to underestimate how important a list was, but you're getting direct access to people. With blogging, one of the hard things about blogging is people have to remember to come to your site or they have to see a social media post or a pin on Pinterest in order to go back to your website and see your new blog post. Um, with email marketing, you're getting right into people's inbox and 
and they're checking their inbox multiple times a day. Um, so you have direct access to them. So the blog and the email list go hand in hand. The blog helps you drive traffic and gets people to sign up for your email list. Your email list can point people back to your blog with new posts and point people back to your website. Um, and I have some posts on this that I'll also share in the show notes as well um, that might be helpful for you, Carrie, with growing a list. That was a great question. But going back, I would lump that in to number three, blog and mailing list. If you can manage it at the same time, it'll be super beneficial. All right. I think that's it for the questions, and we're coming up right on the hour. Um, so thank you all for taking the time to tune in. For those of you who are joining in LChat for the very first time, um, it was so good to have you. I hope you'll join in live again soon. Um, this is coming to a podcast this week. We're going to try it out and see how it goes. So um, stay tuned for that as well. I personally love the webinars because of the slides and um, the live feedback and comments, but the podcast will be awesome as well. I'll have the show notes ready for you. Um, you'll have access to the slides, the transcript, um, all of that good stuff. So stay tuned for that next week. If you enjoyed this L chat and you want to see more L chats in the future, um, if you click on my somewhere around here and Crowdcast switch things around. But if you click on my name, if you see a little picture of me, you can click on that and follow along with my account. So you'll get notified every time a new LChat goes live so you can register. And we have one on the docket for next week and it's about Instagram stories and how you can use Instagram stories um, to point people back to your website to drive traffic and to get clients. Um, so I'm really excited about that one. So if you're getting bored with Instagram stories or you aren't quite sure how to use them for your business, you'll definitely want to sign up for next week's L chat. Thank you all for tuning in again. I've missed you guys. It's so good to be back and I hope to see you in another L chat soon. See you later. Thanks so much for tuning in to the first official L chat podcast episode for show notes, a replay of the original live stream slides and more head on over to ellencompanydesign.com slash L chat. Hope you'll join in again soon.